This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. The holiday season. Great to have all of you with us today. Thank you for your continued support. The big man is out. Randy Scott, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's get to the nitty gritty. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. He's covering one of the big ones this weekend. Cowboys at Dolphins on Sunday. Jeff, we appreciate your time. Let's start with the big news. Tyreek Hill back at practice yesterday. Does it look like we're going to see him on Sunday against Dallas? Yeah, it absolutely does. And honestly, I, I, like I still go back to last week. I was at game pregame. I've never seen a guy warm up with uh, as much explosiveness as Tyreek Hill did, and ultimately not play. <laughs> and I mean, I think that kind of showed you where he was at last week. He was on the sidelines. Really, um, didn't look very hurt to me at all. I mean, but that's. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to insinuate that he wasn't. He's one of the toughest guys in the NFL. He absolutely recognized that he couldn't be himself. But I guess it's just um, proof that he was already very close. And one more week of practice uh, certainly has him ready to, to play uh, really honestly in, in, a, uh, in a fashion that, that should mirror um, the last time he was on the field. All right, elsewhere in that uh, Darlington, in that Miami Dolphins locker room, it, it, it feels contrived from the outside looking in. One man's opinion, this <laughs> this us against the media, you know, Mike McDaniels, I, hey, I told the guys to yeah. tell you to bleep off this week. Where's that coming from? Hey, like what? 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 What sense do you have of where this uh, this frustration that the Dolphins seem to have with the I, media? Where's that coming from? I, I don't think it's fr- so. Uh, I'm not going to go too nuanced here, but I think <laughs> what happens with Mike is like those are comments that probably happen in every press conference. In fact, I can tell you that they do. Um, where a coach might say something like, you know, we're not worried about. You know, I, I told the players not to worry about it. But McDaniel, everything he says is a viral clip, like just the way he says it. It's funny. And in, in this day and age, it's like just social media gold. So I don't even think in most instances we would see or hear the head coach like say what he is saying, but because of the way he says it, we do. So I guess my point is it's pretty cliche what he's essentially saying, which is, yeah, we know we haven't won a big game yet, we understand we have to win a bunch of big games to accomplish the goal that we want to um, with three games remaining. And, um, and there's, there's basically nothing we can do other than focus on the game in front of us. Now, the way I said that is very cliche. It would go nowhere. No one will care. <laughs> the way Mike McDaniel says it, <laughs> we all care. Very well done. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter. He'll be covering Cowboys Dolphins on Sunday. A lot of narratives, a lot of converging narratives in this game. Cowboys can't win on the road. Uh, The Dolphins can't win the big one. You know, someone's going home upset after this one. Just take me through it. Like, if the Dolphins are on the wrong end of this, what are we looking at moving forward here? The Bills are going to steamroll them for the division. It doesn't, to me, uh, so I agree a loss is a huge setback, despite the fact that the division title is still within grasp. Um, they'd obviously have to beat the Bills, and they have the Ravens as well on the road. Um, it's still all within reach if they lose. The, the, the bigger problem is exactly what we were just talking about, that narrative that exists. And it is, to me, it, I wouldn't call it troubling, but it is definitely worthy of our attention that the Dolphins need to beat the tough opponents if um, they're ultimately going to have success. Now, it doesn't mean, though, that it matters. Again, as long as they get into the playoffs and they prove capable of beating really good opponents then, that's all that matters. 
But I certainly understand if you are a fan, the concern you might have. If you are a sports better, uh, the feelings you might have about the Dolphins when they go up against a good team. But um, the one thing I will say is I feel like they are so much better at home. Taking aside the, the meltdown on Monday night against the Titans, put that one aside. They, they're such a good team at home because of their timing and like a controlled environment. Like everything they do is so predicated on pre-snap motion and all those things that um, a home environment helps them a lot between weather and the crowd. So like if they can find a way to win these two of three at home and potentially get that one seed with a big win against the Ravens, to me they're the most dangerous team in the playoffs. But it is such a stark contrast between that and what they are if they limp into the playoffs with like one of the next three wins. And I think that's why this game is sort of an NFL equivalent of that Spider-Man meme, you know, where the two Spider-Men <laughs> in the back alley are pointing at each other. It's exactly right. Because yeah, da- it's a great call. Because Dallas is so awful away from home. Dallas is unbeatable. Uh, they're at Jerry World, and then they get on the road, and they're a pedestrian football team. Uh, how much of what you've seen from Dallas or maybe what you've heard around the league about Dallas, uh, about their road woes, how, how much of that is, is just circumstance, and how much of that's a real problem? I mean, I think it's pretty similar to your point about what the Dolphins are going through. It, it, you have to consider it a reality. I mean, I, and honestly, like, I, I don't want to go into uh, this. is This is a little low, low-hanging fruit, but I think there is sometimes truth to it. When you play in a dome or like what I was talking about with the Dolphins, when you play in an environment that's 72 degrees for the most part, um, it's, it's a lot. It's the narrative that fell Drew Brees. You know, playing in the Superdome and how his numbers were always clean at home. Like, Great point. It is yeah. easier. It's easier. And until you, I mean, look, but here's the deal. If you can find a way to get the one seed, who cares? Because it's always going to be a controlled environment then. So that to me is why that one seed, especially ever since the format changed, where uh, the two seed doesn't get the buy and the one seed does, and the one seed gets home field advantage. It's to me, the most important part of the regular season. Jeff Darlington joining us here, Carlin versus Joe ESPN radio. You know, there's more and more talk around the Pittsburgh Steelers in the future of Mike Tomlin. Ryan Clark made an interesting point this morning on Get Up. He's talking about the idea of maybe it's the end of the road, but not necessarily as the Steelers firing Tomlin. Is Tomlin saying, you know what? What are we going to do about this moving forward? Maybe Tomlin ends up just leaving to try something different somewhere else. Maybe it's gotten past him, which is something we don't normally consider because we see it the other way. But maybe in this case it could. What are you? What's the sense you're getting from the people you talk around the league, talk to around the league regarding the Pittsburgh situation and head coach Mike Tomlin? Uh, I would say that's really the first I've heard of it. But Ryan Clark, uh, I mean, if there's somebody who's going to say that who has a voice, that's pretty much the one you want to hear from because he is such a um, such a uh, you know. Not, I'm not going to say plugged in because I'm not suggesting that he's saying it from a place like he's talked to Tomlin about it because I don't want to put that on him. But he does certainly know the Pittsburgh Steelers better than anybody. Um, so I take that serious when I hear it, uh, if not just from the educated um, standpoint that the perspective that he has. The one thing, thing I, that I find interesting is that he's not the only one right now that you can look across the NFL landscape and say that about. Like, you could make a case for Belichick in the same vein. Um, you could, and uh, he's much older, so it's a little bit different. But you could make a case for, um, if you go to Tennessee, someone who is closer to Tomlin's age, Mike Vrabel you could make a case that he might be better off getting a change of scenery. I'm not saying any of those things will happen. 
Um, but I thought that Ryan Clark's analogy, comparing Tomlin to Andy Reid when he left the Eagles, um, you can't convince me that any of the names I suggested are bad coaches. They have proven to be otherwise. They have proven to be quality head coaches in the NFL. So maybe a change of scenery is the answer. Will it happen? I have absolutely no idea, but I don't hate the idea of it. Jeff Darlington, ESPN NFL reporter, joining us here, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. Jeff, we've appreciated the time not only today, but every time you come on throughout the course of the season. Happy holidays to you and the family, my man. Well, thank you. This has been a much more professional environment yep. than the yep. uh, than the walking HR violation mm-hmm. that Carlin on a usual basis. You are welcome, guys. So, when I you, appreciate that. When you excise that easier. mass, you're able to move around a lot, a lot more freely. Yeah. A lot more that's freely. Exactly right. There Let's keep go. that between us right. and the listeners. <laughs> yeah, I, that's fine. No one's going to tell on us. All right. See you, Jeff. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. <man. laughs> uh, NBA Christmas Day coming up. We've got wow. a doubleheader here on ESPN Radio. Bucks at the Knicks. We got to get the ATS trends for the Knicks on Christmas Day. Do they cover? I feel like they never cover. I feel like you bet against the Knicks on Christmas Day. Yeah, they're always playing the noon game, too. You know, they're always playing like the first game. I know. The post. Uh, the place is always packed. It's always going yeah. nuts. Yeah. All right. We got to figure that out. That coverage starts at 1130 a.m. Eastern. It's immediately followed by Warriors at Nuggets. Warriors laying up casual 12 against the Wizards tonight. Total 246 in that game. Enjoy. So a lot of action. New Year's Day, you're going to have the Rose Bowl presented by Prudential. Number four, Alabama versus number one, Michigan. That's a five Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Radio. Followed by all states, Sugar Bowl. Number three, Texas. Number two, Washington. 8.45 p.m. Eastern, ESPN, ESPN Radio. And we've got picks on all those games coming throughout the show today. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Interesting answer from Jeff Darlington regarding the future of Mike Tomlin. And the comments from Ryan Clark are something we're going to share with you next. If there's one spot that makes the most sense for Tomlin, should he leave the Pittsburgh Steelers, where would it be? Hmm. Randy Scott, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
better because it has to be. There are a lot of different factors, fair and unfair, that go into the Mike Tomlin perception. They are not playing like Steelers. That's not what that organization stands for. Someone has to take the fall for that offense. He hung on to Matt Canada forever, and at the end of the day, when you're the head coach, the buck stops with you. I think that's the biggest thing in the National Football League, to me, is you don't want to become stale. Don't you want to become stagnant, predictable, and you're trying to get the best out of the players. So sometimes you have to have change just for the sake of change. It is wild the growth this story has had over the last few weeks, but that's what happens when the dysfunction and the losing continue, right? What do they say? Winning's the ultimate deodorant. Pittsburgh's got to win a game to shut everyone up for at least a few minutes, but they can't do it. Randy Scott, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. The latest twist, and this is a very interesting twist, Ryan Clark, former Steeler, works here at ESPN, you may have heard of us, played under Mike Tomlin. He's on Get Up this morning, and the conversation continues as to what the future of Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers holds. Will they stay together? Will he get another year? Take a listen to what RC thinks. Coach Tomlin needs to be in a new place. Coach Tomlin doesn't need to retire from coaching because he's one of the greatest coaches in football today. He doesn't need to be there anymore. The same way Andy Reid eventually had to move on from Philadelphia. It didn't mean that Andy Reid couldn't coach anymore. It meant that he shouldn't be coaching there. And Coach Tomlin should now move on from Pittsburgh. And everybody should line up to hire him because the freaking man knows how to do it, but he shouldn't do it there anymore. Very interesting. That last part, the dismount. Still knows how to do it, just shouldn't do it there. Yeah, he he didn't say the Steelers should move on from Tomlin. He's almost suggesting Tomlin should get together with the organization yeah. and be like, I think we've reached the end. I'd like to go elsewhere, and I think maybe you need to change in direction as well. It's a young roster. It's a younger roster. It's been roster turnover. It happens, right? Roethlisberger's gone, Heinz Ward, the whole core, James Harrison, everybody's, everybody's moved on. There's been such continuity as a franchise, though, with regard to who wears that headset. Because you can go all the way back. What did we say, Evan? It was 1969. So you and it's three coaches: Chuck Nolan, 69, to Bill Cowher in the mid 2000s or to mid 90s, yeah, and then Cowher to the mid 2000s to Tomlin. That's incredible. That's it. That is incredible consistency, and the culture has largely remained the same. And I would argue, and listen, Brian Clark played; he knows it, lived it, was a part of that culture. If the culture has changed or deteriorated to a point where Tomlin is no longer uh, a voice that resonates or cuts through, to me that's more reflective of this generation of player than it is of that coach. Wow. It's almost like the Pittsburgh Steelers would never be able to rekindle that sort of way because once yeah. you have a different generational type of player, how do you you have to form a completely different culture around yeah. the player? We don't need we don't need rotary phones anymore. Right. We don't need phone books <laughs> anymore. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm not I'm not saying the Steeler way is that outdated, but I just don't know that culture matters as much now to an era or generation of talent coming out of college football where you can move, you're free to move about the country year to year. Like players, what you're saying, and I, players don't care about the fact that they're putting on the black and gold and what it means about the guys that came before them. It's like, yeah, this is my team. You pay me money. I play here. And yeah. then if I don't like it, I'll go play somewhere else. This is a business transaction. Yeah. And it's and it's not an indictment on this generation of player. No, I think they're not. faster and stronger and more talented than other generations of players. I just think like that's the way. They're hired guns, though. They're, they're more hired guns. And you see it in the NBA. You see it in high school. They're yeah. trained to be hired guns now in high school. We're going to academies. We're going to colleges and moving that's around. That's a great you know? point. It's not, it's not, it's not, oh, we are Penn State. It's like we're Penn State this year. Where are we going to be next year? I love Penn State right up until I realized that you may have brought in a highly touted recruit behind me. And 
I might not get as good a NIL money here yeah. as I could at Texas, so I'm going to go ahead and make that swing, and best of luck to everybody involved. So you condition people that way. How do you think, think they're going to play in the pros? They're not going to look around and say, man, I cannot believe I get to wear the same colors as Troy Palomalu. It's, yeah, this is a great contract, great situation, yeah. until it's not. I think to some, maybe to, to uh, you know, that's, man, that's going to put such stress on scouting. It's going to put such stress on the interviews that you get at the Combine and anywhere else, Pro Days, whatever, because you have to try to find, I think those, I think those players are still out there, the ones where loyalty maybe matters or where they play. You know, hey, I grew up a Cowboy fan. This is what I want to do. Uh, you know, Tua grew up a Cowboy fan, and we had that sound earlier this week. But I don't, I don't know that uh, you're going to be able to tell that on tape, you know? And I think a lot of times you want somebody who pops on tape. And don't worry, I'll get him in my building, in my scheme, and it'll work. And if it doesn't work for Mike if it doesn't work for Mike Tomlin, who is it going to work I, for? That's a fantastic point. Now, Bill Cower, the coach before Mike Tomlin, CBS Sports Analyst, he was on with Pat McAfee. He had some similar sentiments. I think the biggest thing as a head coach to me is the accountability is with the players, right? But it's also with the coaches. Um, I was hard on the coaches, and sometimes I made changes for the sake of change. I mean, I think you look at what uh, uh, John Harbaugh did and has done in Baltimore. Um, he, Todd Monken comes in this year. Offense is different. Mike McDonald, he comes in last year uh, for Wink. So he's made some changes in Baltimore that, to me, that's part of it. It's just there's an infusion of energy. There's something new. It's something fresh, particularly with what you're doing if it becomes stale. And I think that's the biggest thing in the National Football League to me is you don't want to become stale. Don't you want to become stagnant, predictable? I mean, bring somebody in with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh set of ideas, uh, doing some things that make more creative, and to try to get the best out of the players. So sometimes you have to have change just for the sake of change. All right, so let's kick around the sports talk radio conversation that I think most people feel is coming. If somehow, some way... Tomlin and the Steelers part ways. Maybe they all realize it's for the better good of everyone involved. There are going to be a lot of people lining up to interview Mike Tomlin. A lot of people. Like of all the teams that are already out there and teams that are going to start part oh, yeah. ways, throw, start throw one out. Chargers. What makes sense? Chargers. Lay it, out, lay it so, on me. So, okay, the, uh, the elasticity of the argument, right, with regard to the Chargers. As soon as Staley was out – Armchair guy says, oh, what a great job. It's the best job. Justin Herbert, you got the most important position on the field addressed. Mm-hmm. You got him locked down. Okay. Then smart guy comes in and says, well, actually, the cap situation is pretty awful in the aging roster and this, this, and this. <laughs> it works, though, with Tomlin because Tomlin works with an aging roster. What do we say about this roster in Pittsburgh? It's too young. Yeah. It, 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 his message isn't cutting through. The roster that he can work with in Los Angeles, if you keep Keenan Allen, maybe not Austin Eckler because running backs age like bread. They don't age like wine. Uh, if you if you have that aging core, maybe you can impart your culture more quickly upon a group like Khalil Mack well, that wants end. to win, that yeah. wants to win and has seen you. I've played against your teams. I've lost to your teams. I know you can win because you've beaten me. You know, that aging group can can identify with it, buy in, and maybe it, it goes from the top, a trickle-down leadership. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the Chargers would fall all over themselves for an opportunity just to interview them because that's exactly yeah. what they need. The Chargers are an unserious franchise. They're an unserious business. They're an unserious group. You look at them, you laugh at them. That's what we yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers are charging again. There uh-huh. they go. We know how this is going to end. Chargers are going to charger. They screw up everything because they're unserious. Yeah. They're unserious about their coaching. They're unserious about their organization. They're unserious about their business. And the results show. 
Details fall between the cracks with that organization as much as any organization in the business. They're not serious. They're not detail-oriented. They're not buttoned up. Mike Tomlin, is, Mike Tomlin is serious. He's detail-oriented. He's buttoned up. He's a guy that can come in and he can change your culture. Problem for the Chargers, I don't know if they would have the money or the willingness to spend the money it would take to get someone like that. I know someone who would, and that would be the Atlanta Falcons. And if you want to take a serious owner in Arthur Blank and you want to sit around and say, who's the best coach to come in and look at all this talent we have, Bijan Robinson at running back, who's a phenomenal running back. That's not getting the Bernie should down there. Drake London at wide receiver, Kyle Pitts at tight end. They've got a pretty solid offensive line, pretty solid defense. A lot of the pieces are there. The division is soft. Got to solve the quarterback position. But I don't think you need to go out and get the next great thing. You need to start with someone competent. If you do, you will start winning games. And Arthur Blank is an owner, strikes me as someone who could bring Mike Tomlin in and say, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to let you do your thing. You do not have to worry about me pressuring you. Okay. Before you guys laugh, what about the Carolina Panthers? David Tepper. What about acknowledging the greatness of the Atlanta Falcons suggestion, the Atl- <laughs> then pitching your own idea? How about that? I indulged his Chargers idea, and indulged. we discussed it, and then I pitched mine, and then you just want to shotgun yours all over the place. They're supposed to move quickly, all right? We, all right it'll ahead. move at the pace it needs to move at. All right, all right medium pace. What, we like a medium This show pace. is a leisurely cruise ship. It is not a speedboat. All right, what about the Carolina Panthers? speedboat. Go listen to Hembo shotgunning stats all over the place. What about the the Carolina Panthers? David Tepper was with the Pittsburgh Steelers before he bought the Panthers. He was a minority owner there. He's from Pittsburgh. He has been trying to replicate what what the Steelers have had with with Mike Tomlin. That's why he keeps firing the coaches so quickly. He fired Matt Rule because he thought he was getting a culture builder. He thought he was getting a Mike Tomlin replica. He didn't. So he hires Frank Reich. He didn't get what he thought he had in Mike Tomlin, so he got rid of him. Why not, instead of trying to replicate what you've been trying to replicate in Carolina, you just go get Mike Tomlin? And he would be patient with Mike Mm -hmm. Tomlin because that's what he's been searching for all along anyway. And I think Tomlin, if he knows, I don't know what their relationship is, but there probably is one there from his time with the Steelers. I think Carolina is an option. Randy, what do you think about the Patriots? Uh, what do I think about? The, I was like, wait a minute, because you're I'm not just acknowledging. Blow right past. You're that. not acknowledging the Panthers. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Okay, it. okay. I, there's a lot of good connections there. Right. A lot of good connections there. The question is, if you're Tomlin and you have your pick of the litter, you have got to look at what Tepper's done in Carolina, and you have to say to yourself. Do I trust this guy? Short leash. It's Do I trust this guy? Leash. Because it's his show. He might tell me it's my show right up until it's his show. He ran Matt Rule out of there in a hurry, and he gave Matt Rule a long contract. And yeah. at the same time, do you like the Bryce Young situation? Not at all. Because if you don't the, like Young, you're that, not moving on from that anytime soon. That's the thing, too. Unless you're willing and have the uh, – uh, you've been empowered to make Bryce Young, uh, you know, Josh Rosen to the East Coast, right? I mean, oh, remember, remember well, no, no, because Kingsbury yeah. drafts – Rosen Correct. and then says, oh, wait, I can get a better quarterback the next year in the draft. Bye-bye to my top 10 picks. So that's that's what I wonder. What do you do with Bryce Young in Carolina? So I see your Carolina, and I suggest to you New Orleans. I suggest to you New Orleans. That cap situation is a nightmare. The cap situation is not ideal, but talent-wise, <laughs> Kamara, Olave, I think you can work with Derek Carr. Uh, what else? A gettable division, defensive talent up and down that roster. Like, 
I don't know. I don't know that Dennis Allen is the answer. And I think Mike Tomlin is good for three more wins than they have right now. Just Every- let him pick. Just let him pick whatever team in that division he wants. I mean, yeah, anyway, he can go to anyone. And Mike Tomlin, you can coach the whole NFC South. Yeah. Just take whatever yeah. you like, coach all four of them. Everyone will give you $15 million a year. You're making $60 million a year. You coach all four of them. Everybody goes nine and eight. We're all happy. We all move on. Tomlin, shockingly, may not be the only Super Bowl winning coach available in a few weeks. That's coming up next. He's Randy Scott. I'm Joe Fortinball. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Carlin versus Joe. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. All right, here we go. We're going to rip three off in a row here, all NFL related. Number one, Cowboys money line plus 105 over the Dolphins. Don't trust the Miami defense. We've been talking about it all week. I've seen them play several games this season. Nine of the 14 that they've played have come against bottom 10 offenses. Of course, your stats are going to be good. The five you played that weren't against bottom 10 offenses, you gave up an average of 30 points per game. Cowboys win. We're playing the money line plus 105. Number two. The Patriots and the Broncos were going under 34 and a half. I think this one is relatively self-explanatory. Once all that luck for Denver in terms of opponents' fumbles and their own starting field position, once that luck dried up, like we said it was going to do against Detroit last week, they bottomed out. And I don't think that luck's coming back in this one. They're going to struggle against a Patriot team that also happens to boast the league's worst offense in terms of efficiency. So we'll play under 34 and a half there. And then finally, Baltimore, San Francisco, ESPN, ABC, Christmas night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern. We're going to go over 47. I expect a lot of points in this game. Baltimore's got a good defense. Thing is, Jacksonville, very one-dimensional. All they do is throw. They found a way past the Baltimore 40-yard line six times last week. Six. Now, they got no points from that. Part of that is because of their own ineptitude. Part of that is because Baltimore's pretty good defense. But I don't think the Niners are going to have those same struggles. They're going to score, and Baltimore's going to find a way to score as well because they're going to be able to run on the Niners. So three more pizza money's coming your way. Cowboys money line plus 105. Patriots, Broncos under 34.5. Ravens, Niners over 47. Whew. Yeah, no, I know. I see the thumbs up, everyone. Thank you. I'd like to take a breath before I transition into the next portion of the radio program. Randy Scott, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Cowboys, Dolphins, Monster Showdown this weekend. I want to ask the question, what does the world look like Monday morning if the Cowboys lose this game? Let's start with commentary from head coach Mike McCarthy at a recent press conference talking about the nature of the season. 
You know, the one thing that we talked about in the team was, you know, our peaks have been unbelievable. I mean, this is some of the highest peaks that I've seen over over the course of a season so far. Uh, but the but the valley, we had a couple of valleys that are way too low. I, I do think 11 wins is is a great time to take a step and look. And that's really, I think, what next week gives us, you know. So, we you know, we have to get this opportunity in Miami. Getting to 11 wins will give us a clearer picture of what needs to be done. Classic coach speak right there. Peaks have been really high. Valleys yeah. have been too low. <laughs> Valleys no, have been too low. It's fair. Okay, so what's your what's your Lexapro then, Coach? Like, how are we gonna how are we gonna you know middle this out? Um, I thought it was interesting though. You you rarely hear a coach or you know Well Butrin or whatever. You you rarely hear a coach say uh, you know start talking about wins that haven't happened yet. And that's literally what he did by counting it to eleven. You know, sitting here at ten and four, I feel like that's a decent time to start taking stock of where you're at. But um, to your point, you know, Mike McCarthy feeds well into what you're talking about, which is what do the headlines look like on Monday? And for me, if they lose, what do you think we're talking about with them? Well, it's the it's it's the age old. You know, it's not what you said; it's how you said it. So it's not that they lose. If they lose, and you and I both like them to win, but we like them to win. But if they lose and they're competitive, I think we're fine. You know, I which is. Not the most uh, sensational radio topic. If they lose the way they did to Buffalo, we have sky is falling. The first 14 games of the season were a mirage. Mm. We can't win on the road. We have to go on the road in the postseason. That's where you can really look at seeding, to his point. is if, Win or lose after this week, you can start to get a feel for where your playoff run is going to start and how it's going to look and where it's going to go through. Is it going to go through Philadelphia? You already proven you can't win there. Is it going to go through... You know, who San Francisco? You know, like you, you Santa Clara. Like, you can't you can, win there. Yeah, you can, Yeah, yeah. I love it how you feel. Few the people need to clarify. have Santa Clara. I mean, <laughs> the Bay Area folks. We talked about this yesterday. I live there. They yeah. the, the, the thing that gets them the angriest. San Fran. I'm speaking to all the production people here. God forbid Monday Night Football be there and you show a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge. Everyone starts yelling, that is not that is not Santa Clara. That is San Francisco. This stadium is in Santa Clara. It's like, okay, okay. No one in New York's getting all fired up for a giant Monday night game. They show the city skyline. Like, we just, we accept it. Yeah. Let's just stay calm. No, I know, I know. You're over at uh, North Beach or, or Pack Heights or any other. I shout you know, just, out you know, all the nice neighborhoods. You can throw it. Is is. North you don't Beach, want to talk about uh, Vesuvio? Is that, is that <laughs> nice? Uh, either way, either way. I, I think if Dallas is – all Dallas has to be is competitive. Do you want to talk about it from Miami standpoint? I want to talk a little bit more about Dallas when right. I go to Miami right. because I think McCarthy is going to find himself in big trouble if they lose this game, even if it's competitive. I think we're right back to – the, the worst thing for McCarthy right now, and this is going to sound so counterintuitive, the worst thing for McCarthy losing this game is the fact that Philadelphia keeps losing. Jerry Jones loves watching the Eagles lose. Now, it's not that he loves watching them lose more than the Commanders or the Giants. It's just that the Eagles are his chief rival right now. Mm -hmm. He talked about the Eagles losing and how he was going to go to bed, but he stayed up late to watch the end of the game, and then he was up till 4 a.m. watching Seattle win. He was so excited about that. He knows what it means for his team. Eagles losing, his team winning. The Eagles continue to lose. They continue to open the door for McCarthy and the Cowboys, and like the Cowboys keep kind of stumbling. They keep stumbling. The Eagles are giving them the opportunities to take the division, and they can't take it. And blowing it again Monday night opened the door right back open after the Cowboys had blown it against the Bills. So now here you go. You go to Miami, you lose this game. And I know there's been all this talk about, well, we're talking to his agents about a contract extension and all this other stuff. I I got a feeling McCarthy's won 12 games each of the last two years. He, he, He might win 12 again. He might win 11. Great regular season. 
But the fact that the Eagles are opening the door and he can't walk through it, losing again, I think we are right back to a conversation on Monday about McCarthy losing his job at the end of the season. I th- barring wow. a deep run, barring a very deep run. I think this team is better suited for a deep run because I've seen more from Dak in this system. Dak's Mike good, McCarthy's yeah. system. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think McCarthy's success or Dak's success, I should say, to get to this point of this season, the fact that you have won because of and not in spite of your quarterback through ten you know, ten times you've won a game and it's because Dak has played well. Um I, I think and and then the fact that Dak's success is directly tied to Mike McCarthy's play calling, I think McCarthy's already bought himself another year. I really do. I think I think the Cowboys guy, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think they could lose in the first round of the playoffs and oh. McCarthy's fine. I think we'll still talk about it because they're the Cowboys. Well, Jared's shown patience before. You mentioned it about Garrett. Like he's been yeah. he was way patient with Garrett. I'm yeah. gonna give you a quickly. Yeah. What does the world look like if Miami loses that game? Uh, again, it's how they lose. But if they if they lose, they are the paperest of tigers. Let's say they once are. again, it's kind of like some of these other big games. They're kind of in it, but you also get the sense yeah. that it's just they're not all the yeah, way. Yeah, they're, they're they're down nine or ten points right. with two minutes to go. They score a touchdown in two minutes, and then the uh, the Cowboys recover the onside kick, and, and we're that's done. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's close, but not. Um, no, I think I, we're talking about the Bills as AFC East champs. I mean, truly, because that game in Week 18 becomes massive because they're not going to beat Baltimore. Miami's not going to beat Baltimore. I don't think so. So I mean, at Baltimore, especially if Baltimore's coming off the loss to the Niners, to keep the Bills very much as an object that is larger in their rear view than than they appear, uh, they have to win this game on Sunday. So I think if they don't, we're we're talking about them spitting the bit. We're talking about them, you know, being. Uh, Oh man, give me a Mike D'Antoni type of uh, ah, NFL equivalent, right? Good pull. Just, I, I was trying to think of, there. I was trying to think of like an offensive, but no, no substance. All frosting, no cake, and that's 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 what they're going to be. And I love frosting, but that's what they're going to be. We all love frosting. Yeah. We all enjoy some frosting. Uh, that Niner game we were just talking about, Christmas Day, they host the Ravens. ESPN's Monday Night Football game. It's on ABC, ESPN, eight fifteen p.m. Eastern. NBA Christmas Day, little hoops action for you right here on ESPN Radio. Bucks at Knicks. Coverage starts at eleven thirty a.m. It is immediately followed by Warriors Nuggets on ESPN Radio. If the Cowboys win that game this weekend, they'll put even more pressure on one NFL team that's already feeling it. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. When we're in week 16 and you don't think everybody's committed enough, and this is a team that's trying to win the Super Bowl, that is not a good sign. I saw a quarterback who was making a bunch of mistakes that we don't associate with the Eagles. I don't think you look at last night's game and you say the defense is the reason that they lost in Seattle. They were playing against a backup quarterback and all that, and their defense held them down. They only scored 17 points. To me, that was the bigger problem. Bit of a juxtaposition to talk about the Eagles' struggles, and then immediately it's like, hey, ho- happy Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. This is right? better than the other Christmas songs you played today, dude. <laughs> I played Wham. Yeah, it's awful. Nothing tops that. He doesn't Least like Wham. favorite Christmas you don't song. Like Wham? I don't like go. that song. I don't like that song. Do you like Careless go. Whisper? Yes, of course. I'm disappointed, Randy. No, why are you disappointed that I like Careless Whisper? It's awesome. Well, that's the best Christmas song is Last Christmas. And I that digress. right there, gentlemen, 
That right there is the holiday spirit. Erroneous. Fighting around the table over things that don't even matter. I can't wait. I can't wait to get involved in all of it. Let's get the politics out immediately. As soon as you walk into the house on Christmas, happy holidays, where are you voting? And get right into gerrymandering and qualifications. I want to really dig into this Gaza situation if we could. Yeah. You're like, no, we got Wham playing. You're like, oh, okay. Really, really want to drive home everything that goes on because that's what the holidays are for. He's Randy Scott. I'm Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Philadelphia Eagles, it hasn't been very merry around those parts the last few weeks as they continue to find new and interesting ways to lose football games. Earlier this week, quarterback Jalen Hurts coming off the blown opportunity at Seattle in his postgame press conference was a little cryptic, used the word commitment, seemingly implying that there were commitment issues somewhere within the organization, that people were not committed enough, which is going to just perk up the ears of every reporter and every fan and every media outlet out there. Hertz, naturally, when he met with the media this week, was going to be asked about it again. Here's what he had to say. You know, my, my mind was in a, in a place of just trying to challenge myself, um, challenge myself. When I say we, I mean me, because I... You know, I'm, I'm the point guard out there. I'm the one that makes everything go. Um, and I'm the, I'm the guy that everyone trusts in to do and set the pace uh, for everything. That's in um, how I play. That's in my leadership. That's in every aspect of the game that comes with the shoes that I walk in. And so this is a challenge to myself. I think it's just a situation where we are, you know, where it's just something that we're going through, not something we're stuck in. All of that starts with me. Um, and that's something that I that I own. You know, that's something that I take responsibility in and I've never shied away from. And so I embrace that challenge. The last thing I want to do is leave that leave that feeling, feel like I let my teammates down, feel like I didn't do enough for my teammates. All right. So if we're to to believe Hurts, and I'm not gonna, you know, call him a liar or anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. just I'm if I'm processing this correctly, when he was speaking about commitment issues after the Seattle game, according to him yesterday, he was speaking about himself. Yes, and then his own lack of commitment trickled to the team. That's what he's saying. That's what we're saying here. That he is to blame for an issue that he does not back down from pointing out, but he says he's the reason for it. That's what he said. To me, that's how I took that. I I thought he was supposed to be, and and again, this is everything I have ever heard about this guy from anyone who's ever been around him, is that like he's the ultimate team guy. Right. So either he somehow has been slipping as of late, which is not what this feels like. Statistically, it feels like it. Slipping statistically, yes. But I I give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. He's been a little bit injured. Um, He was sick in that game. I mean, you know, he was awesome last year. If his numbers are going to fall off a little bit, so be it, it's going to happen. But I... I don't know, man. Like, I'm not supposed to speculate, but it feels like he's just trying to back off those comments. I don't think he's yeah. talking about his own commitment issues. No, 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 not at all, not at all. No, I, so he's I, just trying to get out of this now. I think he's acknowledging that the team's in a funk. He's fallen on the sword as best as as he can. Sure. Um, on the field, though, what's stood out to me is he's gotten healthier, as his knee's gotten healthier, as he looks better running the football, he has fallen off as a passer. Mm-hmm. Fallen off. One for his last 11 on passes that are 25 or more air yards down the field, uh, you got two interceptions, zero picks in that span. He's all turning those the yards. ball over like crazy. Everything that was working earlier in the regular season with A.J. Brown to set up Devontae Smith, to set up, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift in the background, like or in the backfield rather, 
A.J. Brown as a catalyst for this offense has fallen off, and it's because his quarterback can't get him the football. A.J. Brown, and I, we talked about it yesterday. I think I'm right on these stats. I know I'm close if I'm wrong, but I think it's one 100-yard game in his last six and one touchdown in his last five. Like, he's not producing at the level yeah. that we've seen him produce at. Perhaps he's becoming a little disgruntled. He was disgruntled earlier in the season, I believe, coming off the Minnesota game, which was like week two. So then mm-hmm. they force-fed him the ball next week at Tampa. He had over 10 receptions. Hertz's play has fallen off, I don't want to say dramatically, but significantly. Yeah. So maybe those are just synonyms. How much of it do you put on the loss of Steichen, Shane Steichen, who was the OC oh, last yeah. year now in Indy? How yeah. much of it's on Hertz? No, I, no, I, 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 put, it on, I put it on Steichen. Now, if you're, um, and it's not Steichen's fault for leaving. To no, be, to, be, to be clear, Steichen's departure yeah. has led to the drop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is on you, Shane. This is on you. You left. You all right? <laughs> I learned it by watching you. Um, Hertz. Now Hertz is a, you know, he's got to put on his big boy pants, right? I mean, you cash him big boy checks, like again. They, yeah, you they, got the big deal. Paid him to be the guy, sort of, uh, uh, sort of coordinator proof, right? They paid you to be that quarterback, and he hasn't been. He just he has not been through the second half of the season. Some of that is Dallas Goddard getting hurt, Goddard lifting out of that offense. They don't have the same receiving threat that opposing defenses would have to respect. So, of course, it's going to leave more attention for A.J. Brown and for Devontae Smith. But your quarterback still has to find ways to make plays, and he hasn't been able to do that. Now, Steichen last season, if there was a malaise, if there was a little bit of a plateau offensively for this team, he, he was a more... Uh, inventive, uh, you know, creative play caller, play designer. And we've seen Indy benefit from that this year, or rather Arizona benefit from this year. We have not seen that um, so far with, uh, with with Jalen Hurts. When there have been issues, the issues are multi-game issues, and we're in one right now, and it just so happens to be the worst time of the season. See, the, the thing is, the, the coordinator leaving is obviously something, but you're not a rookie. You're getting paid at the highest possible level, and you do you have an incredible arsenal at your disposal. Like you make the point that Goddard got hurt. You still have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Your yeah. running backs yeah. are more than capable. De- De- DeAndre Swift by himself, maybe not elite, okay. But Swift, Gainwell, all the guys that you're trotting out there, you've got a a competent running back room. You've got a well above average wide receiver room. Your offensive line is above average. Maybe they're not as great as they were last year, but they are above average. Yeah. You can't have all that and not play well, and then we look to other things. Like, no. Like, there are guys no. that would kill for that sort of thing. There are good quarterbacks out there. Like, you look at Justin Fields. They gave him nothing the first couple of years of his career. They gave him an awful, awful offensive line, no rushing attack, no weapons at wide receiver, and then we sit there and we're like, he's not the guy. Right. He's right. not, he's yeah, not the guy. Run him out. He's clearly not the guy. Hurts <laughs> has everything. Hurts has a dream scenario. This yeah. is on him. To yeah. his point, it is on him. That loss in Seattle was on the offense. It was not on the defense. You know, Matt Patricia's out there. Say what you will for making that change at the uh, at the defensive coordinator position, our role rather. But that defense did its job. Maybe not on the final drive. Having James Bradbury on Jackson Smith and Jig was probably not the best idea. Bradbury's getting killed this year. Yeah, probably not the best idea. And that's another thing too that. You know, it happens like I'm a I'm a a huge Washington Capitals fan and seeing what Alexander Ovechkin is doing or not doing this year. And I just I, I use that as an example of what, sometimes when it goes, you don't get the you don't get the heads up, you don't get the notice and it'll go quickly. And so maybe for certain parts of the secondary, 
You know, Darius Slay's been a little more vulnerable, a little, a little more. As his podcasting career has taken off, his on-field play, his his game grades, you know, the, when down the defensive year over line year. doesn't lead the NFL in sacks with seventy like it did last year, yeah. you're going to be asked to cover a little yeah. bit longer. And when you're asked to cover a little bit longer, it's shown it hasn't going very well. So maybe the offense is pressing. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the offense feels They're like all Man, we have to put up thirty Great a point. night, or we don't have a, a shot. But you have, to your point, you have the weapons to do it, the protection to do it. You need the quarterback to do it. You got Big Blue this weekend. You can get right. You take out your frustrations on them. I shudder to think of what happens about the idea of losing this game. This is this, yeah. these are supposed to be the layup games, and I mean it's rare that the rivalry gets to this point, but I shudder to think. All right, he's Randy Scott. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Just a few weeks ago, the Dolphins were a serious Super Bowl threat. So what's going to happen if they lose the division and a first round playoff game? That's next on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.